three scriptures chosen for today describing God as mother. Michael? Hear the word of God. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in, Jeru in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often, I, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. This, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks to be, thanks be to God. Thanks, Michael. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. Sorrow is a mountain. Ambition is a thorn. Mercy is a womb. Poets know it. You and I know it, too, that language can be a paltry tool to tell the most mysterious things or wonderful things or divine things of life. We kind of know what direct language can describe. A plus B equals C. The uh, cabinet goes here and not there. That job brings $60,000 a year. But to tell things that are real, but beyond what direct language can give an account of, requires that we twist language a little bit. We literally say things that make no sense in order to make sense. Sometimes we flip language around completely and tell its opposite, like, uh, of late, uh, sometimes if something is more than good, you actually call it bad. Or if it's more than perfect, you call it sick. Sometimes it takes hyperbole, right? Calling attention to how we stretch ideas higher than the stars, bluer than blue, madder than hell. Or we admit that we can't quite get there, even if we're close with language. I can't tell you how I feel, but it's kind of like butterflies, or it feels as fresh as a summer's day, or here in Arizona, maybe it should be a spring day. At our most subtle, we use images and metaphors, putting things together that don't fit together, but say what we mean them to say when we put them together, even if we can't quite describe why. Like those metaphors I began this sermon with, sorrow is a mountain, ambition is a thorn, mercy is a womb. Jesus of Nazareth 
is God. God is love. Now, our metaphors can fall short, and sometimes they can bring more fog than light. They can become dead, and we can begin to take them literally as if they are not metaphors at all. And the meanings that they're meant to open up for us end up shutting us down into lifeless kind of arguments. And that seems to happen most often when we try to use language to talk about what is the most important, most extraordinary, most language-stretching idea of all, God. So, for your listening pleasure today, I've taken on to myself the tiny task of grabbing one little corner of that most language-stretching idea this morning and talk to you about how Christians imagine God. I guess every sermon is in one way or another about that, but I'm going to be a little more specific today. And I'm taking the occasion of Mother's Day to splash around in a stream of biblical language that leads us to an image of God as mother. God as mother. Seems harmless enough, doesn't it? Or do you get a little nervous when you hear that? Does it conjure up for you images of pagan goddesses or statues of Mother Earth? Or does it thrill you or maybe worry you that my next move might be to disparage the idea of God as Father? It won't be. Or maybe challenge what you think is the order of things. You're not alone either way. Christians have emotional arguments about the right parental metaphor for God or even if imagining God as a parent is worth all of the effort. And lifting up the image of mother has brought a good bit of passion to the church in the last few decades. Some churches, sadly and painfully, have even left our denomination or community of faith over the use of language in that way. Not because it's wrong, perhaps, but because it's a change from what we're used to. How we imagine God and how we use language to teach our children about God does matter. It seeps into our ways of thinking and living, our sense of ourselves, of family, of church, of politics perhaps, of morality, or of nature even. It is not the case that any old image is just fine or that we should just go with what feels good or what's familiar to us. It is important to think about the images we use and to stretch and to explore how Scripture and our tradition holds us accountable even as it helps us grow. And I believe that we also need to be patient with ourselves and with each other and hold some of our images of God that we use sort of like a thimble on our finger, letting them rest 
just lightly or letting them lean on each other a little bit to help each other, if you'll let me mix metaphors here. So here's one thing that I think is safe to say before I take you on a little ride. God is always more than what we say about God. We resort to using shards of our experience to communicate about something or someone beyond words. But even talking about God as being is itself a metaphor because God is the creator of all that is, of being. So God is not, or God is outside of being. But our minds, all caught up in what is and being, we can't imagine what is non-being. We don't even have words for it. Our imagination is hampered, so we only have metaphors to suggest what is otherwise. Now, should that frustrate you because you want someone to just tell you how it is? Or should all of that excite you and inspire you to grow? Probably a little bit of both. But I'm going to try to tilt a little toward the second, toward the exciting path to grow option. For you see, I don't think I have ever met anyone who has mined scripture and tradition to deepen their faith and has come away dry. So come along with me and see what you might discover yourself. My partner and help in this brief exploration is Elizabeth Johnson's extraordinary book called She Who Is. We start with the idea of God as spirit. Letting the Gospel of John call the question for us. God is spirit, the Gospel says, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. We think of spirit as what is real but not material. Spirit is hard to pin down and point to, but we think it's there. We attach spirit to Jesus in what we call the Holy Spirit, who we will celebrate in just a couple of weeks at the celebration of Pentecost, when we remember when God's spirit came to the disciples like wind and fire. But for believers, the idea of spirit actually goes back to the very beginning of Scripture in the ancient Hebrew idea of ruach. It is one of the very earliest metaphors that Israel uses for God, ruach, which means breath, wind, storm, airstream. Fire, light, water, something in movement that is impossible to pin down. Or as Elizabeth Johnson calls it, the creative and freeing power of God let loose in the world. Ruach is dynamism and life and creativity. And get this, the Hebrew Ruach is feminine. Now, the gender of a word tells us less about a word than how that word is actually used in practice. But how it is used in Hebrew scriptures holds on 
And the image of mothering is one of the ways in which the language gender of that word holds up throughout Scripture and is actually used. Ruach is often attached throughout the Old Testament to things that were traditionally done by mothers. Not exclusively by mothers, but notably by mothers, creating new life, working to sustain in myriad ways, renewing what has been damaged, grieving over what has been destroyed, teaching wisdom, inspiring critique and enthusiasm. Think of the second verse of Scripture in the book of Genesis, where there is an image of a hovering spirit, which is the image of a hovering mother bird over the egg of primordial chaos, waiting to give birth to creation. It is supported in other Old Testament images of a mother bird. God's spirit becomes a washerwoman scrubbing stains, a mother eagle bearing her young to safety, a mother knitting life together in other ways. God's relationship with Israel, as you heard read from Hosea, is of a parent teaching or tending a child or feeding a child. Men show the same compassion, but mothering is the paradigm or the kind of central metaphor for how this compassion plays out in Scripture. God comforts Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child, we hear in Isaiah. But don't get too comfortable, for the mothering spirit of God also disciplines. She fiercely protects the vulnerable like a mother bear, according to the book of Hosea. And so alongside the image of the warrior God in the Old Testament that we so often hear, there is this consistent image of a mothering, compassionate God. It is as much a part of Hebrew scriptures as the other images of a leading warrior God. And if we miss that balance, we are not reading the text very well. And it resonates into the New Testament too where the same Spirit inspires Jesus' ministry to all people. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, using the metaphor of birthing to describe faith, that to live in God you must be born again. Having the Holy Spirit is like being born of God. The Spirit doesn't stay indoors. The Spirit goes out into the world and prepares a way for the risen Christ, birthing a whole new creation. She reveals him, advocates for him, and comforts his followers. The early church saw the connection of all of those Old Testament images and the power of the resurrected Christ in a theological doctrine they called the motherhood of the Holy Spirit. Early Syriac Christianity has images of God as a mother bird. There's a phrase from an early Christian liturgy and prayers to the Holy Spirit that goes like this, The world considers you a merciful mother. Bring with you calm and peace and spread your wings over our sinful times. 
Shouldn't we pray that every day today? The world considers you a merciful mother. Bring with you calm and peace and spread your wings over our sinful times. Which brings me to a question about how relevant all this might be to us today. Is this just a nice way of honoring mothers on Mother's Day, or might there be a little more here? I think there is more. There is a Mother's Day remembrance, but there is more than that. There is some stuff here worth pondering tomorrow, too. And let me encourage you to do that by maybe asking a a couple of questions. There's more to ask than these, but let me begin questions. One, are we required to have a perfect mother or a perfect relationship with our mother to use these images of mother God? No more than we have to have had or have a perfect father or a perfect relationship with a father to use the image of God as father or to have a perfect relationship with nature to grasp the idea of God as creator. These images all walk around and illuminate our understanding of God, and by taking shards of human experience and healing them and lifting them up and perfecting them, they borrow from life and give glimpses and traces of how we experience the one who is above all things and heals all things and inspires goodness in all things and teaches us a better way. And so another question. By exploring one image like this, are we diminishing or refusing others? We are not. Some images help us more and are more consistent with our tradition, Some images are more important in certain times of history or certain moments of our own lives. But over time, images of God can support and illuminate each other even when they are different. As long as we don't distort them too much. So is this all just theology? Does it make any real difference? I mean, I just want God to be real in my life and in the lives of my children and in this crazy world. Well, let me challenge you. Let me invite you to take images from Scripture and from tradition that are inspired by Scripture and and let them make a difference in your life. Slowly, think about them. Let them seep in, reshape, and shed light on the world and on faith. Think about how we can help children and youth understand themselves as loved creatures of God and agents of God in life by exploring those images. And in this case, by exploring the impact of God as father and God as mother, Christ as Lord and Christ as friend, Spirit as fiery power and spirit as caring nurse with a fulsome view 
what impact might that ha have on, on, on how our children find God in all the days and in all the extremes and in all the ordinariness of life? Man or woman, young or old, new believer or long follower, use these images even as you pray. Let them sit and seep in and shape you. And on this day, Try the perfectly biblical, but too often forgotten, but oh so very important image of God as mother. Miriam Therese Winter is a member of the Roman Catholic Medical Mission Sisters. She has written a prayer that has spread throughout the church with which I'd like to close my sermon today. Please pray with me. God, our mother, living water, river of mercy, source of life, in whom we live and move and have our being, who quenches our thirst, refreshes our weariness, bathes and washes and cleanses our wounds. Be for us always a fountain of life and for all the world a river of hope springing up in the midst of the deserts of despair. Amen. And amen.